Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. We know that running a small firm is tough and ending the year with a profit may be even tougher. That's why we created Profit for Small Firm Architects. It's a three-module digital course and it's available to you for free right now by visiting entrearchitect.com slash free course. This is Entree Architect Podcast, episode 112. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm whether you're in the process of launching a startup or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. This week on Entree Architect Podcast, I speak with the president and CEO of Sandler Training which is a sales training system. And our guest is based here, right here with me in Westchester County, New York, which is where I'm based. So uh, we sort of know each other through our, our networks here in, in Westchester County. And, and she consults with companies to reach their critical goals and increase revenue. <laughs> That's what we want, right? Well, she's been working in sales and sales management since 1991. And she's the top female franchise owner within the entire Sandler global network of 250 owners. So she knows small businesses and she knows small firm architects. In fact, she was our expert trainer this month at Entree Architect Academy, which is our private membership group. 
and she provided a live training session on sales and business development for our members, exclusively for members of Entree Architect Academy. And that session is recorded and available for all current and future Academy members. So if you're interested, get on the list, and when enrollment opens up, you can find that recording. Today, I've invited Rochelle Carrington of Sandler Training to join me here on the podcast, and we discussed how to face your fear of selling as a small firm architect. This episode of the Entree Architect podcast is sponsored by FreshBooks, the easiest way to send invoices, manage expenses, and track your time. Learn more at freshbooks.com architect. Rochelle Carrington, welcome to the Entree Architect podcast. Thank you. Very happy to be here, Mark. Well, it's, it's great to have you here. Um, sales. Sales is a huge topic for architects. Um, I think from in, in the many years that I've been an architect and since launching Entree Architect back in, in 2012, it's it's been very clear to me that this is probably the, the missing ingredient to success for many small firm architects. And I think sales is probably the number one weakness for architects. I think that they, they're afraid of it. I think that they... Um, they don't really know how to do it. You know, they sort of think about that that stereotypical sleazy used car salesman, and they just they don't want to be that. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I, I think they all want to be artists, and they just sort of want to do their work and and you know hope the the phone rings. And so, I invited you here today because you're an expert on sales, and and I'd I'd like you to sort of help us walk through this sort of it's not so scary subject of sales. Um, why why do you think architects are afraid to sell? Well, I think there's a few reasons. One is what you said earlier, which is the uh, the idea or the stereotype of a salesperson being very pushy, very aggressive, just being really focused all on themselves. And so architects are very uncomfortable with that. And, uh, you know, they also went to school and were never generally taught any of this. And so it becomes an afterthought. I think there's a little bit of a belief or at least a hope that, you know, if I'm good at what I do, I will be able to build my business through referrals because other people will tell people about it. And, you know, ideally, I will never really have to sell something. But regardless of how you get your business, uh, you still have to get in front of somebody. And the way that we look at selling is how do you just have a relevant conversation in talking with someone and do it in uh, you know a nice way that is not pushy not aggressive so that you can determine what their challenges are and whether you are the best person to help them and they can determine the same thing and that's really what we teach architects is how do you just have these conversations and think of it more in that framework than I've got to go pitch myself or push myself on somebody else yeah I, I think architects are going to be very happy to hear what you just said because I think that sort of shifted the mindset from that sleazy salesman to a much easier, simpler, more natural way of of getting people to to hire them. Absolutely. I think the other thing is that sometimes people think that you have to have a script or there are certain lines that you need to use and so that it makes you more of a robot and takes away some of that personality. And we want architects to use their personality. We just give them a framework in which to use it. 
um, so that it kind of gives them them guidelines. This is how I would talk to someone. These are the questions that I should be asking them beyond just the technical questions that they already know to ask based on what the project is. And so it can all be done in a very comfortable way and really, you know, uh, tie into someone's individual personality as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's also a, there's there's this stereotypical way of selling that's in the mind of many people, not only architects, but sort of the world in general, that, that they there's sort of that old way of doing business and, and and it's there's a completely different way of doing, which is what you're talking about. So maybe what we can do is sort of go through some of those old ways of doing business and um, and then talk about the new way of doing it. And that sort of will help architects sort of create a new system for themselves to to uh, to walk themselves through a sales system. Does that sound like a good idea? Yeah, that sounds great. OK, well, what about um, I, I have I have a list here that, that you and I have, have talked about in the past and. And the first one is is uh, convince the prospect. In the old way was that you had to convince the prospect in order to hire you. Is there what's the what's the alternative to that? What's the new way of doing business for that? Well, the new way of doing business is really just getting comfortable with the no. And I believe that one of the reasons why salespeople get such a bad name is because they do sometimes go in and attempt to pressure someone an attempt to just convince and push and all the pressure if you're doing something like that is going to be on the person doing the selling and what we want is just how do you have a conversation and how do you give people your prospects the opportunity to say no to you so that you're not pushing what you're doing on someone so that it doesn't become uncomfortable for both the architect doing the selling and also for the prospect on the other side. So we just want to have a conversation. It is a, a mutual decision to decide whether it makes sense for the two parties to work together. And I think that's the other thing that's important is that the prospect doesn't have all the power. The architect has the ability to say, you know, I don't want to work with you or I don't want to work on this project and to do it in a nice way. Um, but to really have that equal business stature. So we're not going in and begging for business. The last thing we want to do is have anyone feel like they're begging for an appointment, begging for time with someone or begging for business. What are some ways that that architects can can sort of set up a process, a simple process that sort of reverses that, that where we have to convince a prospect? How does how do we change the mentality of our of our prospects to want to work with us? Is, are there certain steps that we need to go through to do that? Well, I think the first thing is to change the mindset of what you're intended to do. Don't use the word pitch. Um, don't use the word convince when you're talking to your prospects because sometimes the prospects will say, you know, okay, why don't you go through your pitch? The other thing is that what you're really doing is you're asking questions. You're asking good probing questions. If I'm pitching or or um, really trying to convince someone, what's going to happen is I'm just going to go in with a big presentation and I'm going to talk all about myself and what I do and how great it is and it's all about me. And what we want architects to do is to get away from, from being focused on yourself or being focused eye-centered is what I would call it 
and get focused on the prospect. That first meeting is all about the prospect. You don't need to necessarily show your designs and your pictures and start sketching things. You know, with today and the internet, most of your prospects have already seen what you do because they've been on your website. Um, there is a time and a place to be showing some of your past projects, but typically it is not in the beginning of that meeting. And so all you want to do is set up an agreement with the prospect up front that just says all we're going to do in this first meeting is ask some questions back and forth and understand what you want to do with the project, why you want to do it, um, and have you ask questions of me so that you can understand what we are best at and where we're best suited from a design standpoint. And then the two of us will figure out whether there's any reason to move forward. And if it's not a reason to move forward, we call it a day and it's a no. And if there is, then we would take that next step, which in most cases is another meeting for people. Yeah, I always call that a, a get to know you meeting. You know, because the client always asks me, you know, what's what? What do we need to do at this meeting? Do I need to prepare? You know, is, is there a charge for this meeting? Um, and sometimes, you know, there is a charge. Sometimes there's not. Depends on on the architect and how they're setting up their their process. But it's that first meeting is really about rapport. It's about sort of getting to know them. They're getting to know you, making sure that there is a connection here because it's more than you know the work that you do, and it's more of, than the than the skills you have. It's a lot of it for architects is about the personalities is that you want to make sure that this person that you may uh, sign a contract with for an extension of, a, of over a year, possibly two years to go through this process of architecture, you want to make sure that they're the right person for you as much as you are the right person for them. Right. I really tell people to think of it like a discovery meeting. You know, you're really there to do research if you think of it that way. You're not there to educate the prospect because if I'm educating, all I'm doing is talking and I'm talking about me and what I do and how it works. If I'm there thinking of myself as a researcher, I am going to ask a lot of really good questions, not just about the what I would call the technical things about the project, what are they trying, what's the size of the project and the scope of the project and things like that, but really getting down into why does someone want to either remodel or rebuild? Um, how is it affecting their life? What happens if they don't do it? What really is that core emotional reason that is going to get them to pull the trigger on a project? So that it doesn't just become an intellectual discussion, but we've got more emotion going with it. And so if we think of it as, my job is just, just to research, I'm not going to go in to pitch anything because I can't pitch anything. Um, I can't present anything until I understand everything that's going on in that particular prospect's life uh, that has led them up to the point where they want to design something. They want to build something. And that can hold true as much on a residential uh, arena as it does on a commercial arena. And so, you, so you're really looking for comfort. You're looking for them to be comfortable with you and you being comfortable with them. The, the old way is sort of that pressure. You want to pressure them to sort of sign the contract, you know, get, get, get going on the project. You really want to have a mutual comfort level, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mutual comfort is really important so that nobody feels like they're being pushed into something. And so what about... What about the old uh, adage? I don't know if it's an adage. The old saying, always be closing, ABC. That's sort of the what the, the old sales guys used to say. 
always everything you're doing you always be closing everything you're you're talking about you always be closing is that an old way of doing business it's definitely an old way and unfortunately you know a lot of that comes from glenn gary glenn ross the movie long time ago but everybody remembers that uh and here's the challenge with always be closing again it makes me put pressure on somebody else what we want to have people do is have a really strong qualifying process so that by the time you get down to talking about the scope of work, what it is you're going to do, the closing process becomes really natural. There are no weird closing lines. There is no, you know, my pen or yours. Would you like to get started on Thursday or Friday? I mean, those are standard old school closing lines. The only thing that we have people ask when they get to that point is, what do you want to do next? And so it really becomes a situation where the prospect decides to buy and you are not selling to them because people love to buy things. They hate to be sold. And if you think about when we buy things, uh, you know, if you buy a car, you don't walk around saying, I just got sold a car or I just got sold a washing machine or I just got sold a new pair of shoes. We say, I bought a new pair of shoes, I bought a washing machine, I bought a car. And so we want the sale to really be set up in a way where the prospect wants to buy from you and they feel like I got to buy it, I didn't get sold. And so always be closing is, I'm going to sell you. And that just puts a lot of pressure on both parties. So if you're doing the sale the right way, then what's going to happen is the close just becomes a natural progression. The prospect ends up saying, can you help me? Can you do this project? And that's your natural close way more comfortable for both parties. Right. So you've you've gone through the process of, of learning, asking all those questions that you were talking about, learning everything you need about this potential client, having them understand everything about you. You know, they, they've done their research. They know about you. They've met you. You have this mutual comfort, and you want to go through that process. And that's a process. That's just, that's not something that just happens. That's something that you want to document. And and this is how you get to this point. Um, and and by the time you get to the point of signing the contract, it's it's a natural process. It's the end of that process. Is that they you know you've gotten past all these checkpoints of mutual comfort and and uh, and rapport and you know, uh, credibility and all those things that you need to establish before you sign a contract. But that, that all leads to the point where they want to work with you. You don't have to convince them. They just, they want to sign a contract and get started. Right. The ideal world is that they're asking you to work with them versus you asking them if they want to work with you. And so that's the way that people feel like I'm buying. It becomes my choice. Now we teach people how to how to kind of lead people to that point and so we've got to find in our questioning strategies what I would call a a personal compelling emotional reason to do business that's the that's the first part we've got to have these budget discussions up front so that you don't end up putting a scope of work together and delivering it to somebody and now all of a sudden they're having their you know what the buyer always does which is a flinch meaning oh my gosh I didn't realize it was gonna be that much money you know we don't want that to happen at the point at which you're attempting to close and then we've also got to understand the decision process which is not just who's involved but how are they gonna go about doing it 
And as they're talking to other architects, where are you in the field of the rest of them that they're speaking to? Are you first? Are you last? What sort of decisions have they made? How are they going to work this out either within their company or within, you know, the husband and wife or the homeowners? How is that decision going to go down? So we've got to understand all of those things. Then we can present what it is we're going to do from the scope of work standpoint. And then the close will happen very, very naturally after that. Let's take a quick break here to say thank you to FreshBooks for their support as a platform sponsor of Entree Architect. Because as a platform sponsor, FreshBooks has provided funding and support for our overall mission here at Entree Architect. They recognize the need for small firms like us to build better businesses in order to be better architects. FreshBooks is the easy-to-use accounting software designed to help us small firm owners get organized, save time, and get paid faster. It takes care of invoicing, expense tracking, estimating, reporting, and it all happens out on the cloud so you have access to your information from anywhere that you have access to the internet. And I use FreshBooks for my own small firm, 5Cat Studio, and my favorite feature of the FreshBooks software is sending my invoices by email and allowing my clients to pay by credit card. When FreshBooks says that you'll get paid faster, they're not kidding. With the convenience of clicking a button and paying by credit card, many of my clients pay now as soon as they receive their invoice. And for those clients who don't pay right away, FreshBooks automatically sends them a reminder of the balance due at an interval that I set. So once I send an invoice, I can go back to being an architect and I don't need to chase down any of my clients. And Tim Lee of FreshBooks will show you how easy it is to send invoices by email on our exclusive video series Tim and I produced exclusively for the Entree Architect community. Check out this free video series at entrearchitect.com slash freshbooksvideo. There's no catch. There's no email. It's completely free. Just go to entrearchitect.com slash freshbooksvideo and you will get the videos right away. There's three of them. Shows you everything you need to know about getting started. And then go to freshbooks.com slash architect, freshbooks.com slash architect and sign up for your free 30-day trial and give it a try. It's free. I suggest you just send one invoice and see what happens. That's how I got started. Just send one invoice to one client and see how it works. And when I did that and I got paid much faster than usual, I signed up for the rest of it and I set up my whole my whole account in FreshBooks. FreshBooks.com slash architect for your free 30-day trial. And be sure to enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. One of the things that that really resonated with so many of our members, and, they, and we keep talking about it, is this phrase that you used: "Go for the no." Yeah, um, it, it's something that is sort of counterintuitive to everybody, um, but it makes so much sense once you explain it. Could you go through that that idea of of your intent of going for the no? Yes, absolutely. Um, it, you're, you're right. It is counterintuitive. So a lot of people get very uncomfortable with it because we think that if we give someone an opportunity to say no, that suddenly that they didn't know ahead of time that they're allowed to do that. And the reason why we want to go for the no is not to not sell business because believe me, we want people to get results and we want them to sell as many new projects as possible. But what happens is we set people up only for a yes and 
obviously not everyone is going to be qualified or the right type of prospect for you, or you're going to feel, they're going to feel like you're not the right architect for them. And so what happens is when people are uncomfortable telling you no, what they're going to tell you is, let me think about it. Right. And if most architects look back at all the think it overs that they've had through their career, what they generally can figure out is that 90% of the time, those just meant no. But the prospect just kind of felt bad telling them. They didn't feel like they, you know, had the had the ability to tell them. And typically that happens because the prospect doesn't want to hurt your feelings. Um, you know, maybe they might need to talk to you at a different point. So they don't necessarily want to completely cut that relationship. And then the other reason is because they also know that if I say, you know, no, that you're potentially going to see that as an objection and now you're going to talk to me and ask me why and we have to be in another you know 10-15 minute conversation about it so from from the prospect standpoint it's easier to end the conversation with you know let me think about it let me check on a few things and we'll get back to you and most architects will say okay that sounds good because they think that it's you know hope thank goodness they didn't tell me no I still hope I can get the project but the reality is that's usually when the prospect kind of drops off the face of the earth and you never hear from them again or it takes a long time to hear from them. So what we want to do is always set people up. I don't want to say set people up. It's probably not the right term. But guide people to understand that every single conversation, meeting they have with you, a decision needs to be arrived at. There's one or two decisions that can be made out of any meeting, sales meeting, And that is, we can decide, no, let's not move forward for whatever reason, or we can decide yes, and yes means different things depending on where you are in your sales cycle. It could mean an additional meeting. It could mean coming back to present a scope of work. It could mean, uh, you know, the final sale. Yes, we actually want to work with you, and we're going to sign an agreement. But we've got to tell people it's okay for you to tell me no and actually get those words out of our mouth as hard as that can be sometimes they already know they can say it all they're doing is they're masking it with a think it over and usually what that does for most architects is it gives you this false sense of I may have a deal and it's not real so you don't go out and find more business because you think that you have something and then you don't and it becomes either very frustrating and disappointing from an emotional standpoint or you don't have enough in your pipeline to really keep your projects going and now you're in a scramble to find new prospects and we just don't want people to get in that situation yeah and it's, and it's also so much so much of a time waster when you when you're a small firm architect and you're wearing all these different hats and you're doing all these different things you don't have the time to be dealing with with per- prospective clients that don't want to hire you, so you'd rather have that no than than think it over. You know, you want you want you want you want to know <laughs> if this Absolutely. is a no. Let me go to the next one. Absolutely. I mean, we're really all about how can we make this the sales process as time efficient as possible because everybody complains about time management. Time management. Well, a big piece of that oftentimes is your sales process is just is ineffective or inefficient and it's taking too long and you're chasing people and that's taking your time away from doing other things and 
if we go back to the original discussion, which is how do we make people um, comfortable and have these comfortable conversations, one of the ways to do that is to just tell a prospect, if you decide that I'm not the right person, you can tell me no. And by the way, I might also say that I'm not the right person for your project or you're not the right kind of client for us. Um, but if we decide that, it's perfectly okay to say no, doesn't hurt my feelings, it's not a problem. And by giving them that ability, they'll tell you the truth. It's not going to suddenly make someone say no who wants to work with you. And that's what everybody's fear is. I'm just going to get a bunch of no's all over the place. If they want to work with you, they're going to work with you, whether you tell them they can say you no or not. Um, so, But we just really want to get to the truth with people. Yeah, and if you don't go through that process of, of giving them that permission – and, and you've done a good job of the earlier steps of building the rapport and building mutual comfort and all these things, this person is going to like you. <laughs> and they are not going to want to say no because you've done a great job of building this rapport and, and qualifying yourself. So they are going to say, think it over. I, you know, let, let, you know, let me think it over. And if you don't give them that permission to say no, then they don't know that that's okay. And they'd rather say, just I'll think it over and then never call you back. Or just cut off, cut off all communication and never hear from them again. Yeah, and so it's really a way of building trust. And part of what an architect is doing is you've got to build trust. You're going to be working with this person for a long time. Uh, and it's either, you know, what, what they're building or what they're designing is something that typically is somewhat, you know, close to their heart. And so one way of building trust is to just be honest up front and say, here's our options. Here's what, you know, it could be no, it could be yes. This is what yes might mean at this particular point. Let's have our conversation and figure out which way we want to go. Right. I, I think that's so important. I, I Like I said, that was such a, a big takeaway from the training at the academy. So I appreciate you bringing that to our attention and talking about that there as well as here. Um, what about um, best features wins deals? That's sort of the old way of doing it. What's, what's the new way? of uh, as opposed to you know putting together a list of all the features that you can present to a client what's the right way to do that yeah feature and benefit selling is old school and the biggest there's two challenges with it one is it's what everybody does uh and so prospects are really used to it the other one is if we go back to the idea that uh we don't want to be eye-centered Features and benefits all are about me and what I do and my process of design and all the great, wonderful projects that I've done. Uh, if we really think about it, people don't care. What they care about is, do you understand my situation and my problem? And if you understand that and then you tell me how you can fix it, then I want to work with you. But if we just go in and we're selling all these features, again, it becomes a pitch, it becomes a pressure, it becomes a convince. And for most prospects, what happens is the features of one architect sound very similar to the features of another. Whether they are or not doesn't really matter, but they sound similar to the prospect. And so in a situation like that, when they're talking to three or four different architects and everybody sounds the same, there's only one way for them to tell architects apart, and it just comes down to fees. And now we're in a fee negotiation in order to get business, and we do not want architects to have to lower their fees. So 
if we get away from feature selling and we really just focus on asking questions and finding out the problem and the challenge of the prospect, it's way more interesting to the prospect. You're going to set yourself apart from all of the other architects who just come in there with, you know, here's our process and here's our photos and here's our testimonials. Uh, and it's going to be a conversation. That's what prospects want to really focus on. They want to focus on themselves. You're there to help them, not to talk about you and all the wonderful features and accolades and things like that that you have. They don't care about that until you can help them figure out how you're going to solve their problems. Right. You said, you said before you needed to find a personal, compelling, emotional reason to do business. Um, and I, that's what we really need to do, right? We need to find that emotional reason why a client uh, contacted us and, and how we can be the problem solvers of that, of that problem that they have. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's really the key. And I think that's, that's really this, the, the goal of those earlier steps is to find what that emotional compelling reason for doing business with you is and then show the client how you can solve that problem. Yes. And then, go, and then go for the no. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It makes selling a lot more fun. It makes it a lot more natural. Um, so even though sometimes it seems like, you know, why would anyone do that? We want people to sell differently. It's the way that you set yourself apart. And there's a lot of psychology that goes into it in understanding how people think and how they react to things. And, you know, again, people don't react well to the pressure and let me tell you about me. It's the way they think that people should sell because that's how most architects are selling. And so um, we really want to just get into more of let's have a dialogue. Let's figure out what it is you're looking to do, why you're looking to do it, um, how it's affecting your life for positive or negative, And then we'll figure out if I'm the right person to help you with it. So if, if the process really is about a dialogue and establishing this sort of rapport with this client to get to the point where they want to work with us, how important is a sales system where it's an, a documented system? If, if all I have to do is show up at a client's house and have a good conversation with them, show them that we do great work and they'll sign a contract, is, is that reality or is, is, should we have a documented step-by-step -step system that we should be following? Yeah, the, the reality is not that you're just going to show up and they're going to uh, decide to work with you. So having a sales process is really important. It's kind of like you would never keep your books without having a bookkeeping process. The thing with sales is that people think that if I'm just personable and I can develop relationships, I can sell anything. And that really is not the case. There's a lot of personable, very likable people out there that, that don't close enough business. So we want to have a process because it keeps you, that framework keeps you in line to know what should I be doing each step of the way to know what works and what doesn't. And what happens a lot of times is people, architects will wing it. They'll do one thing on one sales call. They'll do something else on another meeting. And then what happens is they can't figure out why did I win one and lose the other because they've done something completely different on each one. So if we have a sales process, what it allows us to do, if we do the same thing each time, it allows us to go back and say, 
if I lost one, I can go back in my process and say, where did it get messed up? Where did I not do as good of a job as I could have? And therefore, now that I can analyze that, I can fix it the next time around so it doesn't happen again. Otherwise, without a process, we end up repeating the same mistakes over and over, and we just don't even know what those mistakes are. Right. And that's so important. I mean, I think that many architects, they hear that that phrase sales system and that they sort of, you know, bristles their, their, their the hair on the back of their neck stands up. Oh, I have, I have to create the system that I'm going to follow. But I think I mean, it's most architects are already following a system. It's just not documented. And it's right. and it's very often, like you said, not the same system every time. It's it's a general framework of a system that they do naturally and they do it differently every time. And, they, and like you said, they don't know why it worked one time and why it didn't work the other time. And if you create a system and then work the system, and then by working the system, you can review the system. And if you review the system, you can adjust the system because there's a system. Yes, and you've got to be uh, set some time aside to debrief each meeting, even if it's five, ten minutes after the fact, where you say, here's what I did really well here's where yeah, it kind of went off the tracks a little bit so that the next time you repeat what you did well and you fix where you fell off the tracks because we have a tendency you know humans are creatures of habit and, and we have behavioral patterns so if you're doing the same thing you're going to find that for example you always have challenges when you're talking about the budget part. Well, then that tells me I've got to fix that. I've got to work on that piece so that I don't keep making that mistake with the budget step every single time I'm in front of somebody. Yeah, I, I um, recommend that architects take Monday to, to sort of be there. Monday, I, I call it a Monday morning meeting with themselves that they go through all of their business things. They check their schedule. They set up all of all of their productivity things that they're going to do that week, and they review their sales pipeline. So you can actually see, you know, what calls they need to make and which contacts they need to make, and they can and review their process of the sales process to see. Okay, well, this one told me no this week, so let's go through the process and find out why they said no. Here, where did it where did it end? Um, and so if you if you schedule that every day on a Monday morning basically take the first half of every Monday morning and go through all of these different things every week, then you will do it. If you don't schedule it, like I said, too many hats, it gets pushed to the side and you never actually review that process. Yes, absolutely. And uh, if you think about it as you're growing your business, is that 10, 20 minutes of debriefing your sales meeting, is it worth you know, going into the next meeting and winning um, instead of losing? You know, is it worth the money that you're going to make and the ability to, to grow your business? I think 10 minutes of a debrief is well worth, you know, making sure that I don't make a mistake over and over again. Right. Because right. that affects my income. Yeah. I'd also just before we wrap up, I also want to clarify one thing, because when I talk about sales with architects, very often they say their biggest uh, weakness in sales are leads. And leads aren't really part of the sales process. Leads are the marketing process. The, the marketing process has to come before the sales process that brings leads to the sales process. And so I want to make it clear that everything that Rochelle and I are talking about today is after the leads come into your pipeline, after the leads call you, um, make that first connection, then that's what we're talking about. Everything from that point forward, everything before that initial contact 
It's part of the marketing system, which we'll talk about another day on another podcast. But I just, I, I want to make that clarification because very often architects sort of merge those two things and don't understand that there's two separate processes, two separate systems that you need to create in order for these things to happen. Yeah, I think that's a great point. So, Rochelle, this has been great. Thank you very much for uh, being here with us today. Your world on the internet is secondwind.sandler.com. Um, and you're on Twitter at Sandler Rochelle. Um, is there anywhere else that you'd like to uh, sort of share with us on, uh, on where you can be connected with? Uh, email, if anybody wanted to send an email, is Rochelle at Sandler.com. And we do a bi-monthly newsletter. So if anyone is interested in being on that, it's got different sales tips and kind of goes into some uh, more explanation of some of the things that we talked about. You can email me and ask to be on the newsletter. It's free. And uh, that's the other way you can get more information. And you're available to the global Andre Architect community if they want to connect with you and, and take uh, uh, you know, the next step with you to sort of help, help them with their sales process. That, that's true, right? Yes, and you can also find me on LinkedIn as well. Okay, so just uh, Rochelle is uh, R-O-C-H-E-L-L-E, -L -L -E, and Carrington is C-A-R-R-I-N-G-T-O-N. Correct. Uh, so you can you can search for Rochelle, and if you do a Google search, you'll find her too. She's all she's all over. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with the Entree Architect community before we wrap up? No, I, I guess the last thing would be that um, if architects can start to change the mindset of what selling is really all about, that it's not a necessary evil, it's just part of what you do. And to think of it as how do I have better conversations with people, build trust, ask the right questions, and get the truth, then it makes the whole process much more uh, comfortable for everybody. So a lot of it is just changing your mindset, changing your viewpoint, and then determining where you've got gaps and how are you going to fix those in your particular sales process. Yeah, that's so, so important. Rochelle, thank you very much for sharing your knowledge here at Entree Architect Podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, Mark. We're growing here at Entree Architect, and it's only happening because of you. So please share a link. Please, please, please share a link to this episode. EntreeArchitect.com slash episode 112. 112 episodes already. That's crazy. Share it with all your friends. Tweet it. Put it on Facebook. Tell everybody you know. I want everybody to know about what we're doing here at Entree Architect. And I appreciate you for helping me. Helping me spread the word and supporting and encouraging me for everything that I'm doing here. Complete show notes and a direct link to this episode may be downloaded at entrearchitect.com slash episode 112. And don't forget, don't forget to pick up your free access to our free three-module digital course, Profit, for small firm architects. It's going to teach you everything you know to be profitable. And it's free, completely free. Just head over to entrearchitect.com slash free course. Easy to remember, right? It's just that easy. Just go over there and check it out. And... Learn to be profitable for free on me. My name is Mark Arlapage, and I'm an entrepreneur architect, and I encourage you to go share what you know. I'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening.
I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.